podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Hello and welcome to the five-year plan podcast. <laughs> pod three six four, the final pod of twenty twenty. Wow, amazing, we made, it. We made wow. it to the end. We got Emotion. that. Emotional. Indeed, it will be Kevin. It will be. But to celebrate mm. uh, getting to the end of twenty twenty, we've got not just our normal three or four panelists, not five panelists. We've got six panelists today to celebrate a pod squad, if you will. Actually, I just realised. Could make quite five a good. Panelists, we it? could make. Because you and five. Yeah. Okay. I I can be in it. I can okay. be in the six. Five plus one yeah. is six. Good, good yeah, exactly. Right. Thank yeah. you, Troy. Someone <laughs> knows good <laughs> maths around here. here. <laughs> but I just think yeah. I've logged on to the wrong call, guys. I've logged on to the wrong call. This isn't the right one. Um, I think that we could form a little six-a-side team with this with this oh, six. Uh, who? No well, who'd be keeper? Kevin, you played in gold, didn't you? In your youth, I do play in goal. I've got, I've got um, trophies for being in goal for the London Ambulance Service headquarters team. Won the National Ambulance Five Aside tournament two we, years we running. We expect you to dig those out before the end of the <laughs> yeah. show. They're, I will. They're just they're, they're on, they're on the display just behind me. <laughs> we were. Of course, that, yeah, those were the days when the ambulance service had little else to do rather than play five aside up and down the country. All right, you can be our, you can be our goalie. Um, the man with the most actual proper professional football experience, if you don't count Whiteley Preserves, obviously, um, is Mr. Troy Townsend. Troy, what what position would you be? Ooh, not not professional, but uh, I, tr- I tried a little bit. I, I can be any position you want me to be. I dabbled my hand at a bit of everything. The third scoring goals. But then next best was setting them up. And then in the latter years, obviously, you get pushed right at the back, didn't you? So I've had a little, little bit of everything. So do you want the young Troy, the, the middle-aged Troy, or the old man Troy? Depends what one you Looking want. Looking at our team, we're going to need all three of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, mate. Or you can go at the back. I, I feel like Dom Firefield and James Endicott could be our midfield yeah. enforcers. Yeah, do you guys want to take that. that role on? I'd just like to point out that I was um, Football of the Year at the Greetland Junior School in 1975. So, yeah, and I've got a little trophy. Really? My name is spelled mm-hmm. incorrectly, and there's an arm missing off the man, but it's still a trophy. In many ways, sums up your sums footballing up, career. Yeah, yeah, sums up me, actually. Sums up me. Um, which leaves me and Jack Pierce as the youthful forward line. Are you happy with that, Jack? Do you want, do you want to be the target yeah. man or, yeah, or number 10? No, I'll, I'll drop a little bit deeper, um, if, if that's all right. You do the running, and I'll do my Paul Merson. Both on and off the pitch, if that's okay. I'll, I'll do. Uh, How inevitable uh, yeah. is it? JD put himself up front. I'm just filling in the blanks. <laughs> this just whole filling thing, in. This whole thing just so you could go up front in an imaginary six-a-side team. 
It's like, like we've got nothing to talk about on this pod, so we better talk about we I'm just, play I'm an just a team player, Kevin. Team comes first. There's no <laughs> ING. Oh, there is a name. Um, let's <laughs> move on to the part where we do a, a drum roll for a random hey. patron. Hey. It's Mr. Jay Enroyle. Hey, hey, Jay. Hey, Jay. Well and you can be like Jay yeah. and join our patron and get all the rewards that entails, like post-match podcasts, patron-only merchandise, and access to the patron-only WhatsApp club at patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast. Right, lads. Part one, we've got two games to get through. Obviously, it's the festive period and the games come thick and fast. Villa 3-0 defeat and a Leicester one all draw. I feel like we might focus on the latter one um, more than the first one. Actually, Kevin, I said this on the, the post-match podcast. Obviously, the game before this run was the Liverpool 7-0. And we said after the Liverpool 7-0 pod that after the 9-0 in 89, there was that one-all draw down in Southampton, I believe. Is that right? Yeah. Which was the... the, Everyone was looking for a response from Palace, and it was a hard-fought one-all draw. The Villa game, obviously, we didn't get that reaction, and it was a very poor performance. Mm -hmm. But the Leicester game, the one-all, did that feel a bit like that Southampton game? And are we feeling like, actually, there's a bit of recovery there? Not in the first half, and just briefly on the Liverpool game, I missed that pod. I I disagree with you all that that was a blip. I thought that result was the inevitable consequence of a, an ageing squad, an ageing defence. I think that result was knocking on the door for quite some time, basically. Yeah, I, yeah, we had a response at half-time yesterday, which was three halves later than we expected. And it turns out, according to Roy, that all it took for that response yesterday was Ray Lewington to shout himself into a near heart attack. Basically, uh, I've spoken to quite a few ex-players this year about football. I'm sure I'd be interested to hear what Troy says. They all say that those days when a, you get a response out of players by shouting yourself red in the face at halftime have long gone. Players respond to little tactical changes, maybe a little change of personnel. But it, it, it had an effect in the second half yesterday against what looked like a tired Leicester team. The first half was not quite as bad as a Villa game, but it couldn't be... As bad as you know, my big issue with the with the Villa game, what really annoyed me, because there are still Palace fans saying this is a good Villa side, and it's true, it is a good Villa side. There's no doubt yeah. about that. But this time last season, it was one of the worst sides the Premier League had seen. Right? They 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 lucked in in that they played us when we'd already stayed up, and they beat us two 0 in a terrible terrible performance, and they just about survived on the last day of the season. Yet that terrible terrible side has made more progress in one close season than we have done in six. Basically, that Villa team, with the with you know three new players coming in, have turned into a really good attacking team that are knocking on the door of Europe. And I, I just think it kind of puts us into a little bit of perspective. It just shows the the fact that we've stood still for six or seven seasons rather than making progress that Villa seem to have done in one. I don't know it's too early to judge, but that Villa performance was just risible. It was it was shameful, it was embarrassing. And the first half yesterday wasn't much better. Second half I thought we looked really really we looked much better. Scored a really good goal. I don't know who put the cross in some <laughs> I can't just can't think who it was who put the cross in that but it was, a, it, was a, it was really good link up play between between Andros and Wilf of a sort we haven't seen for a while because obviously Andros hasn't been starting but clearly clearly whatever Ray Lewington screamed at them at half time worked but you know surely those days are over when it's not Sunday football it's not it, 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 it should that shouldn't have to happen to get that response basically so and I think I don't think it's Done Roy Minifair, I think still a lot of Palace fans waiting to jump on him, depending on what the performance against Sheffield United is like, basically. But yeah, second half I was pleased with yesterday. Well, look, let's talk about uh, Ray. I've titled this on the notes, Apoplectic Ray, which sounds a bit more like his sort of bluegrass 
alternative. Um, but um, we have had a couple of questions. I'll come to you, Troy, then for this, because it, it was interesting, the reaction second half. Total Tech Soccer has said, what did Ray say at halftime? I don't know how any of us can answer that one. Um, Summer Hayes, MTB44, says, if it takes an apoplectic halftime team talk to get them going from Ray Lewington, have the players lost faith in Roy? Or is it just, is it just something that assistants do? It's something that assistants do. There's always a, a good cop, bad cop in every partnership, um, particularly at a worrying period of time. Let's be totally honest. You, you have a, a goal ratio of zero scored and 10 against in two games. There's going to be a massive impact. And no matter how many different players you, you mix around in that squad, the impact of knowing that you have conceded that many goals in two very, very heavy defeats with obviously the second defeat coming against 10 men, where the 10 men were absolutely so much better than the 11, has an impact. And, and the, the spillover of that was that first half. I was glad to go in at nil-nil. I was glad to, to, to see us, you know, one, obviously, Gaeta saved the pen. Um, and then, you know, you think about it, we should have had a pen anyway, which kind of went under the radar um, because the, the VAR officials decided that they didn't need to review it. Um, Andros had a chance that maybe he could have done better with or should have done better with, at least have made Smichael save. But we were we were very poor. And for me, it's kind of standard after, after the two results that we had. Um, and at that point, there is no excuse. So there's, you can't put your arm around anybody. You can't cuddle people and let them know it'd be okay. You have to go in in, in probably the way that Ray did, you know. And, and the, sometimes men need that. And I'll say men, men need that. Those, those that are there feeling sorry for themselves, those that are sulking around a football pitch saying the passes are not coming to me or, you know, it, this is not how it should be. They need that. And, and you saw the reaction. I thought it was a great reaction. I thought we were very good in terms of the way we picked ourselves up, the way that we dis all of a sudden started to show some attacking intent which we hadn't really done before then. And, and you know, we get the goal, which was a, a brilliantly constructed goal. Um, and it's just disappointing that we couldn't hold on because I think the moral victory of, of a 1-0, the victory of a 1-0 would have gone a long way to helping those players and, and their confidence. Um, and that late goal kind of says, ah, oh, you know, it puts you on a little bit of a downer. But definitely positives to come out of it. And hopefully, like I said, you go into Sheffield United and you think... You know, which is a tricky one because they haven't won. Um, but again, you know, at the moment, are we going to take a one-nil with a drab performance? I'm not sure if that's suitable for many. But you know, a win at the moment is 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 paramount for that game. Yeah, Dom, it would have been the the nil the clean sheet would have been absolutely ideal, and obviously Barnes scores seven minutes before the end. But is that why Palace was so? And he said, and he said, dour, but so defensive in that first half that purely it's, it's almost damage limitation after those ten goals in two games. Yeah, I think so. I don't, I don't think we've discussed this before. I don't think Roy Hodgson has necessarily changed his mentality, but but when you include an Eze yeah. in your starting lineup and a Van Arnold as an attack-minded left back, and you've got Wolf in there playing up top, then you've got more free spirits on the pitch. Therefore, the approach of the team can feel more enterprising, can feel as if it's more attack-minded. And the way that he went yesterday was was exactly what was required in the situation after those 
10 concessions you had a, a far a more solid left flank with with Mitchell who in fairness to him I actually thought he did quite well going forward as well there were some beautiful yeah. flighted passes over over the fullback over Leicester's right back which Wolf chased down and, and he there was a, an occasional interplay between him and and, and Schlupp as well which suggested there is a a relationship developing there, and they've obviously got this good record playing together in in the Palace first team. But Schlipp is more industrious. Andros has has really become, I think, more industrious. I mean, I, I'm not talking out of turn there, but I just think he 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 offers more protection. He did when Wambasaka was in the team as well. If yeah. on that on that right flank, he gets back, he gets involved, and and. So there was an auto- automatically a more solid field to down the sides. I still think there were. Issues in the in the centre. Um, Luca actually had a good goal, if you, a good game. If you look at the numbers in, involved, um, but I just think that when teams poor at Palace and the, and they've got more pace on the pitch, then our central midfield, whether, whatever combination we've got, and including Jaro in that, we get turned too easily and and bodies flood through there, and, and that that then becomes an issue, and, and that's partly, I suppose, because we're playing this four four two to accommodate Wilfred through the middle and, and, and well, various different reasons. I mean, you, you can't necessarily find a complete balance with this group of players, but for what was needed against Leicester, that regardless of the team that Leicester put out, that first half solidity to a certain extent. And I don't, don't get me wrong. We did concede chances. We conceded a penalty. I mean, James Tompkins is turned in 45 seconds in. Um, we weren't solid, but we we hung on in there. We There was a bit more of a fight to that defensive performance, and they got better as the game progressed. And I think at the moment, yeah, you just cling to, to that positive, a, a, a good point against a team that will be challenging for Champions League football next next season. And that is progress. Yeah, it did. It did feel a bit like a, a bit of progress. It, it, it felt like we'd regressed really quickly after those ten goals conceded, and it felt a bit like when Keith Millen was manager numerous times, and we knew we'd go back to to basics. But it felt like that, and it felt like that needed to be done. Actually, Ender's team selection is is something that whenever the team's released on Twitter, people seem to go crazy for various different reasons. I mean, there was a couple of questions about that. And I know people weren't happy with the Villa lineup and slightly more happy with the reaction in the Leicester game. There's five changes made by Roy. Michael Phillips said, is it a measure of how we're viewed by other teams that Leicester turn up at Sellers and feel as though they can rest three of their best players and still try and get a result? I would say that's probably more just the fact that it's Christmas yeah, and there's say, lots yeah. of games packed in. But Cy, and that's literally just his name, Cy, has put, I thought the team selection for Leicester was good and the approach was really good. My God, Schlupp does so much for the team. The man is a true unsung hero, does it all. Um, I'd agree with that because I think Schluppy is massively underrated. But when it comes to team selection enders, how do you feel about it? And do, do you react in the same way when they, they come out? Or as Dom's alluded to there, it's difficult to get that balance sometimes, isn't it? Especially with, we do have a squad that, that is ageing. It's very difficult. And, you know, and I think one of the positives is the fact that we have these conversations. It's not a, a set, it's not a set first team that we've got. You know, we've, we've got, our, our first team could be quite fluid. And um, that could be a positive especially around this time of the year where there's so many games, but it also can be a negative because I think, especially with somebody like Roy, and as a fan, you like to see that that winning team, the same team, week in, week in, week in, week out, week in, week out. And I just think with the so many changes, I think the changes to the Leicester game were, I thought it was um, 
I was quite pleased because I think we're always moaning about Roy not changing his team. And there was like, were there five changes for the Leicester game? Yeah. And I thought it was positive. I, you know, but again, it's the, the areas of the pitch where we really fall down in, and Dom pointed out, is in the sense of the midfield and also a little bit of the centre-backs. And they're the places where you need some some solidity and we don't have that, you know, and I, I, that, that's what I really miss. I really miss those people in there that are there week in, week out. And I'm not really, I, don't, I mean, I know there's a lot of games we have to change a squad around, but I think if you ask most professional footballers, they'd like to play every game, whether it's every other day or every five days. But I just think, I just need, I think we need some solidity in that, in the middle. I think that's where we were lacking yesterday. And I think in the, in the middle of defence as well. Can I just say, just on, I know you went to talk to Jack, but just on the, changes yesterday and you can't argue that they didn't work because as Dominic said we got a good point against a good team but he changed three of the back four from Villa but left the midfield player playing centre-back in and I, I don't I don't quite get that I mean that's an indication that there's something wrong with the squad and the centre-backs and I know we're going to talk about Tomkins later on but that that just seemed a strange one to me that the one person that was remained unchanged and he didn't have a good game against Villa so you couldn't argue that he deserved to keep his place it just it's just an indication of either Roy's mentality or the squad that the one change he, he does he seems to refuse to make is playing the player out of position. He, he seems to want to keep and Dominic said this at the start of the season. He said that he thought Kayati was going to be our centre back for the start of the season and for the season no matter who was fit. And that's I have to say slightly baffling to me because he's not an outstanding centre back by any means and we're short of quality in the middle of the midfield. But he did do well against Leicester he was arguably he the, the, well, yeah. he, excellent at centre-half and when you look at the other options Cahill's got a hamstring problem Kelly's got a calf strain Scott Dan was feeling his hamstring so was not available and Mamadou Sacco is out of favour and could potentially be leaving in January so yeah, and, and what's, the, what's, what's the average age of those five centre-backs we just about talked about 103 I think that's the, that's, <laughs> that's, the pro- yeah. that's the problem that's why they've got injuries that's why we have to keep chopping and changing it, it, it but it, it, it's, it goes back to, to selection it goes back to recruitment the fact that the one almost ever present at centre-back is a midfield player yeah, and that's something we come back to a lot on this on this podcast. And certainly, Jack, with selections, a lot of people want to see Gyro feature more often. He got his chance against Leicester. How did you feel that Gyro did in that in that midfield? I thought change was definitely required. I thought the, the middle two against Villa was was quite weak, and the, the Villa's first goal on um, on on Saturday was was started through the middle. I know we can talk about where was PVA, but I'd argue where was the the middle two in midfield as well for that first pass that was. Cut through us. I was pleased to see Gyro start. I thought he did well. Um, I thought some of his passing was a little bit wayward in the first half, but I think you could probably apply that to each of our um, ten outfield players in the first half. Our passing wasn't really on point, but I thought he he added that balance. And I thought Luca looked better with him next to him than he has done with with Maka next to him over the last few weeks. Um, and actually, I felt that when we made the sub um, in the seventieth minute or so with uh, with James MacArthur coming on for for Reader, but I thought we lost a bit of the balance that had had put us in good stead for the first part of that uh, second half. So I, I think Gyro and Luca is a better balance in that middle. If, if we're going to persist with the middle two, is a better balance than the the MacArthur and uh, and Luca. But as as we've all said here, that the key is at this time of year we do need a bit of rotation. Um, so if we are going to have um, just two in midfield, then you know you, you've got to move move those around a bit. And I think Gyro did himself no harm yesterday with his performance, and and I think would be harshly dropped if he doesn't start on uh, on Saturday against Sheffield United. Yeah, we'll come to that in part five. Um, someone Troy that did have a terrible performance was um, 
the VAR official <laughs> whose name escapes me. Why have you selected me for this? <laughs> <laughs> we've done, we've gone around everyone, haven't we? I love VAR. <laughs> you know I love um, Mr. The, Mr. Um, Jones, I think, is his name. Mr. Jones. Mr. Jones. We're going to call him Mr. Are we? Mr. In an old school program. Yeah, Mr. Jones from <laughs> Hell on Earth. Yeah. He's the son of Corporal Jones of Dad's Army. That's how bad he is. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's weird, Troy, because when I watched when I watched the game, I saw uh, Benteke appeal, and I thought, "Oh, he's claiming a corner," because I thought mm. he thought it'd come off the defender's head. And actually, mm. when they showed the replay from behind the goal, I was like, "Oh, I can't, I can't quite see if that's a corner or not." And then the WhatsApp group's going mad, everyone's saying handball, <laughs> like really. But thankfully, on Amazon, you can rewind ten seconds at a time. So I go back, look at it again. It's such a clear <laughs> handball. <laughs> it's mad. This is the thing. You can't see it on the first view. There's no way we can see it. And I'm going corner. The very first replay, you saw it. You saw the, the fella flick his hand, hand out. Um, and I thought to myself, that's a pen. And then they're taking the goal kick. Now, I'm thinking, hold on a minute. There is no way. The VAR that I know doesn't do things that quickly. The VAR that I know likes to, to, to deliberate and go over and over and over again. The fact that they took the, the goal kick straight away, I've said the geezer's sleeping or he's gone out for a sandwich. One of the two. <laughs> because there's no way that they can take that kick so quick. And then, to be fair, even even um, it wasn't until people started tweeting Clinton because Amazon. Yeah. For me, once you show the, the Leicester City penalty and the save, the next biggest talking point is the Palace penalty. And it's a penalty, full stop. Yeah. And I've got to give some juice to Mark Clattenburg here because normally what? you have Peter Ward. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 nice, oh, oh, nice Christmas oh, 20. Oh, right. 2020 <laughs> takes a new turn. This is the weirdest year ever. <laughs> Peter Walton normally sits on the fence, doesn't yeah, he? He, does. he? normally says, well, I yeah. understand why. Yeah. There's no understanding. The fella's gone to punch the ball. He's, he's connected with it. I think it's Kote that has asked for the handball and it's they've, they've just been oblivious to it. And for me, the people that are so staunch towards VAR, you cannot tell me that that is part of the issue. That is the massive thing that the, um, the, the video, whatever you want to call it, or the person who controls the video, whatever you want to call it, is, is there for. If that's not what he's there for in the box... Then, then why? why? Why do we have them? Because you might as well leave it to the referee's judgment who says, I didn't see it, goal kick. We'll accept that. We have to accept those. But the fact that we've got that video technology that can review that situation, and I think the PGMOL came out of a statement very quickly afterwards as well, which you might as well rip up and put in the bin, by the way, um, because of the microphones that can hear the, the obviously commentary between the two. Um, I just think it, I just felt it was so, so poor, so well, poor. And by the way, this is not just about Palace. We've seen incidents like that in other games as well. Yeah. That was a massive moment because I felt that if we, you know, if we tuck the penalty away and we have to say if against the run of play with everything that's gone wrong for us, I think that would have been a very good moment for us. Um, and all right, we did go ahead later on in the game. But I think, I can't remember what time it was. Someone on here must be able to remember what time that handball was. But I think it would have led to us having a smoother period into half time and maybe a better sustained period of attacking 
uh, ability in the second half. Um, but because it, it wasn't given, I think there was that continued nervousness into the half. Yeah, Endicott and I don't know what day it is. There's no point asking us what time <laughs> that happened yesterday. But Dom, <laughs> Dom, you might know this because they're speculating because they changed the, the the handball guidance early on. So Joel, the, the one that Joel Ward penalty against yeah. Everton wouldn't have been a penalty the week after or two it weeks after up, but, the but there's, 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 <laughs> there's speculation as well in the last couple of games from, from various pundits that referees that VAR is narrowly checking referees decisions they're not calling referees attention to things that they've missed and they, they clearly I think they clearly thought that wasn't an obvious enough thing for the referee to miss for them to go and look back at. So he, he, pu- he punches the I, ball. I, yeah, but, you know, did he deliberately punch the ball? Yes, he did. Yes, It's not like one of those where he went with, you know, when they sometimes go with their head in their hand. Yeah. 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 It wasn't one of those, was it? No. It was, no. I can't get to the ball. The next best thing is let me just punch it or put him off with a punch. I think the, originally they, they, they sort of implied that Benteke had headed the ball on to Onto Amate's his hand, yeah. which, yeah. Is, which you, you know, point blank range, that might have been determined. But but you can see from that angle that he actually touches it onto Benteke's head. And I mean, I don't know whether Christian Benteke would have headed it in had he not done that. It's hard to tell. But <laughs> but he would have he would have had more of a chance of doing Look that. At us when you say that, Dominic. Look at us when you say that. <laughs> <laughs> it was the twenty first minute, by the way. So there you go. So it was <laughs> midway through the first half. Midway through the first. Half. <laughs> Baby, can I just say about the the, the more official yesterday? He was the same ref that um, very early, or uh, yeah, below very early for the uh, the Burnley disallowed goal yeah. against Leeds. And mm. so he, in two days, he's he's made two two errors. You could argue in in terms of volume. in the Leeds Burnley game, he hasn't waited long enough um, and was very instinctively blown his whistle. And then in the Palace game yesterday, he hasn't alerted the referee. And I take on Kevin's point that maybe they're not doing that as much. But you know, for that one, you would argue that that is. Um, a clear and obvious mistake because the referee just hasn't seen it. Mm. And I wouldn't have minded so much if they hadn't waited 30 seconds to check Vicente Guaita's feet for the penalty. Yeah. You know, yeah. They, Graham, <laughs> Graham Scott stopped the game for that. So yeah. if he stopped the game for that long for his feet, surely we can check whether there's a, a you know handball and a penalty. Um, for yeah. I just well, I thought the, it was very poor. Well, the penalty, I, I, I the, our penalty... Our penalty against Villa, which I thought was a penalty, by the way, and that that was checked for so long that you thought it's a guaranteed surefire penalty because yeah, normally yeah. the longer it goes yeah. on, the clearer. It, and I still can't see how that wasn't a penalty. He didn't touch the ball. He got he bought. Yeah, it would have been a lucky penalty, but it was still definitely a penalty. But it's that's that's the frustration of it, isn't it? it? Maybe every club has like a has every club has like a, a chess clock, and we've used five <laughs> minutes for that one. I don't know. But... Um, did you say that was a twenty-first minute? Yeah, twenty-first yeah. minute. Yeah. Right. So this is what I mean about the impact of, of the, the lack of decision there, or the the no decision. Is you know we've gone on for the next twenty five minutes and and we haven't looked really great at all and like I said at, from the outset for me it was understandable for me getting a goal ahead is massive in a game like that particularly when you're down against your luck particularly when you're nervous because you have conceded so many goals so to go one nil up halfway through that fixture yesterday at a time when we couldn't even get on the ball let alone mm. anything else mm. was was massive for me massive and it has big implications on 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 how the game then plays out you know up until half time and again in the second half so for me it, it's it, it, I, I don't see with that technology how you cannot pull that back have all the views that you need to have even send the ref over to the technical area if that's what you've got to do to decide that that should have been a penalty yesterday yeah i agree i think the most worrying thing was pgmol coming out and 
saying we didn't review it. Oh wait, we did review it. And but there, as you say, there are people that can hear the feeds when it's happening anyway. So mm. there needs to be more transparency. I think with yeah. these decisions, we get there are people making decisions and people get things wrong. But as you say, these are fine margins that have massive implications on a football. Well, class. the problem um, is as well that you've got a very inexperienced referee who, as Jack says, is very aware that he made a mistake in that in that Burnley game. They would have told him, and now he's expected to call the attention of a more experienced referee to a mistake that he may have made. And in that case, oh, okay. human nature, it takes a little bit of bollocks that maybe VAR officials, because that's the trouble with VAR, we've only got a certain amount of qualified referees. We haven't got enough decent ones. To... I'm telling you now, the six of us could do VAR. Oh, yeah, we'd get it, we'd get it right. And, and, yeah, and we'd get it right every time. Every time. Every time. All right, lads. Well, look, speaking of getting it right, let's, let, let's, that just doesn't make sense as a link whatsoever. Anyway, that's the end of part one. Um, <laughs> it's Christmas. All right, it's the end of the year. Um, let's move on to part two, where we've got an article from a certain writer for The Athletic. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome back to part two of the Five Year Plan Podcast. Final pod. (laughs) (laughs) Final pod of 2020. And part two uh, is dedicated to the Athletic this week because we are supported by the Athletic for this week's episode. A world-class team of writers covering every club, including the best coverage of Crystal Palace, a subscription-based website, and app completely ad-free, no ads, no pop-ups, just brilliant articles. (gasps) Welcome to New Home of Football Writing. And if you visit theathletic.co.uk forward slash FYP, you can start a subscription for just one pound a month which is very good value Mm. indeed Uh, and this week's article is called Tompkins Presence Offers Reassurance to Palace's Beleaguered Backline by Mr. Dominic Fifield. Now, what we normally do when uh, Dom uh, comes on and we read one of his articles uh, is um, I get him to read it and I put like <laughs> piano music in the background. Um, but I already asked Dom before the pod and he said no. And I can see from his face there. So I'm going to read it and we're going to put piano music in the background. While and, I read and it. So, do you want piano music in the background later or not? <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And if, if, if we could get a, a sort of lone saxophone playing as well, that'd be I'm lovely. just going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say a saxophone. We can make that happen. We can make yeah, that happen. Really. Okay. <laughs> I would care, careless whisper instrumental or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, we don't have the copyright for that, but I will find a okay. copyright free saxophone. And we'll do that in now. <laughs> Tonkin says, I'll be in bits, he offered through a grin as he departed Sellers Park on Monday evening. But with a game under his belt and an encouraging point gleaned to ensure Crystal Palace have at least stemmed the bleeding, the centre-half may even reflect that it was actually worth it as he winces through his warm-down back at Beckenham. If my agent can hear me doing this video, uh, please send it out to some casting directors. And we end by saying, at least the memory of those collapses to Liverpool and Villa have been exercised. Maybe we were nervous at the back of some he- after some heavy defeats, added Tompkins. Perhaps we were down about that. 
And it showed through the first half, but the response after the break proved we are a better team than we are showing. Now, for consistency and a run of games to breathe impetus back into his career. Yeah, there's a round of applause. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very dramatic. Great alliteration. Winters through the warm down and back at Beckenham. Great alliteration, Dom. Very good. Apparently, yeah. alliteration is a cheap You've man. You've got the voice of Batman, <laughs> yeah. JD. You, you could be in the next movie, I tell you. <laughs> Thank you. I would never get in that casting room, but never mind. Um, I actually found right. that quite moving, you know, that, that description, Dominic, of what the, the pain that's going to happen yeah. to Tompkins. I found that genuinely quite. Emotional, because I, I think we know, Troy will know this better than we do. We, we all read about or listen to players coming back from injury, but it, it doesn't occur to you that someone's going to be in agony for, for 24 hours. And also, it's really strange to, to him say, it's only the last two games we've been to. We actually had a run of three games when we were so excited about the football we were playing. And now, <laughs> and now here's Tompkins apologising, saying we're not as bad as we look in, in only two games. It's a really... That's the vagaries of Sporting Palace, but I, th- I thought it was a brilliant piece as usual. But that I, I generally thought that that personal aspect to it, I thought, was really good, interesting insight. Yeah, because it had been Dom. It had been eleven months. I didn't yeah. realize it had been that long since he'd last played. Eleven months since he'd done ninety minutes in the first team. That was at home to Sheffield United. Actually, um, the one 0 defeat right at the beginning of February. He played at Everton the following week and ripped his hamstring. Came off after about an hour. Um, and he's had, what, 70 minutes for the 23s, 30-odd minutes maybe against Liverpool in the 7-0, and 90 minutes for the 23s again last week against Newcastle uh, under his belt. But none of that really, I think, equates to confronting um, whether whether it was Thomas, whether it was Barnes. Mm. Later in the game, it was Vardy. Um, these guys, you know, full of energy and, and, and tearing at him from the start. And... Don't get me wrong, it, it was by no means a faultless performance from James Tonkins. As I said, Ian Acho turns him after 45 seconds. And you're thinking, you're looking at him after 10 minutes. And in fact, when he concedes the penalty 17 minutes in, he looked shattered. He looked absolutely mm. exhausted already. Um, broken almost when the, when he, the penalty, the whistle's blown for the penalty. But he grew into it. He got into some rhythm. He he, he was more himself in the second half. And there was there was one challenge on Barnes as he was threatening to break down the left wing where he just slid across right in front of the dugouts and okay look there's, there's no one in that ground whatever Ray Lewington shouts whatever Roy Hodgson shouts or actually throughout the first half it was James MacArthur shouting it echoes around the main stand but the, the, the applause and the sort of yelps of satisfaction from the home bench when he did that and he slid and the ball went out of play were deafening and it was like okay so that is James Tompkins back and you could almost tell that, that that's what he needed just to exercise a bit of frustration from 11 months of watching the first team play without him by the end he was shattered again he was I think he was partly to blame for for Leicester's equaliser they're all a bit on the back foot from our own throw-in you could look at Luca you could look at Tompkins you could look at Kiata who had just cramped up and was clearly just slightly off the boil at that point and and Tompkins is mentally exhausted at that at that stage of a game. Leicester are coming at them strong. They just brought on Jamie Vardy for God's sake. I mean, it's mm. it's a difficult situation. There was a chance. I think Perez in the ninety fourth minute, yeah. where yeah. Tompkins had gone. He he, he literally wasn't on yeah. the pitch anymore. He he let the man go, and the, and Perez has had the shot and put it in, thankfully into the White Horse Lane and end. But but for him to get through that ninety minutes was a big moment, I think, psychologically, um, physically. Once he gets over the warm down, and the sports scientists will be all over that, it, it wouldn't be as bad for him today. It would still be painful, but it wouldn't be as bad as it would have been, say, 
10, 15, 20 years ago for, for players. Um, and he can go, he may have to, he may have to go again on Saturday. May, maybe there's a, there's a chance that Scott Dan comes back in and they, and they, they rotate them until they're, they're fully fit, I guess. But, but we may have to be reliant upon him for a while yet. So we need him back to his best and in some kind of rhythm and, and not, not overly exerting himself, not pushing himself to the extent that he suffers another relapse or, or tweaks another muscle. But I just thought it was nice and, and reassuring to have him back in the fold and, and, and involved again. Mm. Since since I've well since I've been here again to know some of James, I know his brother quite well. We, we're in the way and when we used to often enough. Um, I've always felt more confident with James in the team. I've always felt that we have that better stability. Someone who, by the way, doesn't panic. Do you know what I mean? Who who you know reads the game very well. Um, normally, apart from yesterday, and, and we will give yesterday a little bit of a blight. Can time the tackle on Thomas better, but he's a yard shorter now. Um, but I felt he and Kyoto were part of the problem in the first half. Part of the problem in terms of their distribution. Their distribution was lumped passes into spaces that were not even there, didn't even exist. Mm. And that's not James Tompkins for me, but I, I almost <laughs> felt he didn't really want the responsibility of being mm. the person that may make a mistake. And as he's just coming back into the swing of things, then having that lumped on him, Obviously, the penalty is a massive one. So, all of a sudden, he's thinking, shit, I've come back in. Look what I've done. So, Goita's dug them out of then. But I didn't think they wanted the responsibility of being on the ball. That was a massive difference in the second half as well yesterday. Was All of a sudden, they were taking responsibility of being on the ball and didn't just lump the ball into spaces that no one was there. They were actually picking people out. And sometimes, we need to identify little moments like that. I didn't think our midfield distribution was great. Again... 45 minutes gone, everyone was on a two apart from Guaita because he saved the pen. But after that, I felt we grew in confidence because all of a sudden we found red and blue shirts. And this is an amazing thing. And, and, and guys, I can't stress this enough. When you find a red and blue shirt when you're struggling, your confidence goes up. Mm. And then mm. you find a red and blue shirt again. Then all of a sudden you start to realise, this is easy, isn't it? I can find a red yeah. and blue shirt. And for me, that home crowd yesterday... <laughs> if they were there, would have done someone like James James Tomskins a power of good, yeah. a power of good because of, I think he needed the adrenaline to be pumping to carry him through the game to then, do you know what I mean, realise that he can play at that level again listen, it may have been difficult for the first 45 minutes because I, I still remember the Sunderland game at home uh, when Defoe was putting the ball in the back of the net at will and I still remember the the, the, the I've never felt a ground, a home crowd like that. I've got to be honest. I've never felt a home crowd like that that were really could have eaten every single Crystal Palace player up on that day. And I felt that possibly could have been the way yesterday. But I, I also felt that, you know, for someone like James Tompkins, I thought he was, I thought, considering what Tom has just highlighted, the amount of times he has played or hasn't played, I thought he came through. And, and we need a fit James Tompkins at the moment. Yeah. It's funny you talk about that that sort of mental strength of getting through. I think people forget how mentally draining it is for players coming back from injury or try remember James Scowcroft telling us after the Man City win how mentally difficult that would the players holding on to that two one, three one victory. It would have been three two would have been difficult. Um Jack, we'll just end really quickly. It would be nice, wouldn't it? We haven't had a sustained centre back pairing for a while. 
Um, it feels like it's been chopping and changing for a while. That was our fifth, I don't know if that fifth is different a, partnership of the season six, in 16 games. Well, there you yeah. go. And I don't know if that is a symptom of having an ageing squad that pick up injuries a bit a bit more easily, but it would be nice, wouldn't it, to get back to a stage where we do have a more settled centre-back pairing, because I think that then sort of permeates through the rest of the team. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, for me, Tompkins is in my, in my preferred Palace eleven. so it's really pleasing to see him back. Um, and I think if he can... If he gets through Saturday against Sheffield United, then you know then we're into a bit of a break with the FA Cup, and you know you can maybe move a few things around in terms of you know player selection. So I think it would obviously benefit the team, and, the, and the, as the guys have said, we're we're a better team when we're when we're more settled. So um, whether that's Tompkins and um, and Coyate, or whether if Cahill comes back, it's Tompkins and Cahill. I think we're a better team. I totally take on board what what Troy says, and I feel better when Tompkins is on the pitch. I think he. He had a bit of grit to us and um, and a calmness as well when he when he does have the ball. Um, but it, it would have been odd for him. Like it's, uh, it certainly was lost to me that he'd been out that long. I guess with the with the lockdown and project restart, you know, time has become <laughs> nothing really. So don't really uh, didn't really track how long. So you know, that's nearly a year out of playing professional football. Um, so to be back and that's obviously his first experience of playing at Selhurst, but not in front of anyone. So I thought he did a, a good enough job to you know if he's in a fit state on uh, on Saturday to play. Um, but yeah, certain rustiness which hopefully is out of his system now. Can we just bring Enders here? Because for me, it would be it would be Cahill and Tompkins. But I imagine Enders would like to see the centre back built around Sacco, wouldn't he? That's not the question I thought you was going to ask him. Though. <laughs> <laughs> I actually thought that Enders had grown two heads just then. Did anyone see someone poke a head round on the screen? Oh yeah, that was that was my Enders, son. That was my son. Oh, that was Bakary Sacco. He was, he, was, he was just wondering why I'm, I've got headphones and I'm talking to a computer. <laughs> and then you realise there's five beautiful men in front of me. Oh, we don't care about what you're watching, Enders. No. <laughs> Go on, James, answer the question. There'll be Sacco and who else for you? Uh, it definitely wouldn't be Sacco, as you well know, Kev. Um, it would always be Tompkins, would always be my first choice. Yeah. About, as and when he's fit, definitely. I think everything that um, Jack was just saying, he's just... He seems to have that air of authority around him as well, and um, he's he's got experience. And I just think he's, and I feel very comfortable when he's he's playing. And I'm sure it was incredibly difficult for him yesterday, but it's great to see him back. Really great to see him back. Absolutely right. You can read that article by Dom at The Athletic and many more on Palace. Um, and if you visit, visit theathletic.co.uk forward slash FYP, you can start a subscription for just £1 a month. Uh, we're going to go on to part three. And in part three, we've got questions from our listeners. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Welcome back to part three of the Five Year Plan Podcast. Hey. 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 
final pod of 2020, which means these are the final questions from our listeners of 2020. Uh, Jack MK95 says, how is Selzy? Hope is well. We should do a shout out to Selzy here. I know he's been struggling for the last few days with covid-like symptoms uh oh, i chatted oh. him yesterday and he still wasn't feeling great so we send our love to Celsius and hope that he is uh, recovered yeah, soon yeah. and is back on uh, the post-match pod and maybe this pod as well at some point so we send our love to Celsius. um michael hart Hi, michael. says Hi, michael. does today confirm to roy that <coughs> mitchell has to be first choice left back and then john winbow said with recent performances of pva and in being dropped is it time to cash in Tyrick Mitchell played well, but we'd need cover. Let's go to Enders first for that one. It has to be Mitchell from now on in, surely. I would, yeah, definitely. I mean, he, you know what? He was so good when he came in, wasn't he? And he, you know, he reminded of all of when of when um, Aaron Wambisak was playing and that sort that youthful exuberance, but also a great stop of the ball. Um, and then he was out for a while, obviously, and um, it, it was just great seeing back and not being afraid. And as I think Troy mentioned earlier on, or maybe it was Dom was mentioning, he was really good at going forward as well. He's looked some really mm. great balls he was putting over the top. Um, yeah, it was great to see that. And it, I, it'll be it'll be a real shame if he's not starting on Saturday, but I'm sure he will be. I'll be I'll be shocked if he's not. Yeah, I'd quite like to see PVA stay but as an out and out left wing option. Do you think? Do you think you oh, said that before man. on the pod? Do you think? Do we? Do we think yeah, Roy always. genuinely would do that? That doesn't feel like a Roy thing. To do. The difference between what I think and what Roy would do is it's a very many pods of it of, of a very different. Now I, I just think he's not. I, th- I think possibly um, he's a player that might look to move on in the window. I don't know, but I just think he's, he he doesn't want to defend. That's the difference. I mean, when you look at Mitchell, when you look at uh, Aaron Wampasaka, they're players that enjoy defending for the sake of defending mm. you, see, you can see how Wambasaki used to react when he did a last ditch tackle or a slide and PVA it seems to find that a chore but going forward especially if if we've you know, if we've already got enough points to stay up as we've seen in the last couple of seasons or we're a couple of goals ahead then he's a brilliant attacking option he's really and some of the link up play between him and Wilf and 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 Schlupp or whoever else is playing up there, or Eze, has been has been fantastic. By the way, we haven't mentioned the goal yet. I, I think we teased Troy about it before we started, but publicly we need to say what a, what a goal that was and what a cross that was yeah. by somebody's son. But I think PVA is a really good attacking <laughs> is a really good attacking option. I really do think so. But it's just he's a, he's a sort of squad player you'd want. It's, for me, it's like McCarthy. It's like yeah, I'm glad I'm glad he's there, but I don't want him starting basically. I think the point on PVA, I think it, it's slightly different, Kev, when you come from a deeper position. Yeah. Well, maybe, yeah, good. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and sure. then you can go and join in the play and then everyone thinks, well, who's picking him up? When you're higher up the pitch, you're designated mm. to pick him up. Yeah, fair and point. then I think it becomes a lot more difficult for him. I think, listen, he is a good option going forward. He does link play very well. But is that because he's a left back as such? Mm. And so all of a sudden he's got a little bit more freedom to get into the spaces that you want him to be rather than being as a, as a wide man who, who then, you know, one still has to do his defensive part of his game, particularly in this Crystal Palace team. <laughs> um, but also um, is then going to be a marked man as such. So that's kind of like the difference mm. to me. Uh, Tariq, again, listen, the only reason he should have come out of the squad was because of injury. And it was, and I felt he was going to come straight back in because he'd, he'd earned enough credit as such to be able to come straight back in. But you're dealing with him and you're dealing with a, 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 an experienced player, you know, so kind of it was almost mm-hmm. like order of play there, wasn't it? But but for me, I, I mean, I, I, 
he hasn't put many foots wrong. And, and for a young lad, you know, coming into a side that does leak goals, um, for me, I think he's, he's done very, very well. And, and to to kind of obviously compare him, I would love to have seen him him and Wamba Saka mm. in the same team. Mm. Um, but unfortunately, well, we I think we should go and bid for him to get him back because the United fans don't like <laughs> they him, don't, did no. they? So, um, yeah, but yeah, a very, very great asset. As with um, Aaron, and, um, Tariq seems to play with a sort of maturity about 10, 15 years older than he actually is. It feels like he's been playing for a long time. He's incredibly calm, incredibly assured, uses the ball well, tackles very well. And I know that with young players, you know, clubs not try not to put too much impetus or, or you know try not to expect too much from them and you have to manage young people as young players and they will make, make mistakes but as Troy says Tyreek seems to make very very few mistakes and you know we hope he'll be here for a long time but but Dom do we think that the club um, if they think PVA is moving on might be looking at other left back options as backup maybe to, to, to Mitchell wouldn't have I wouldn't have thought that would be a priority that they have Schlupp that can go there read about can go there um, Klein, he could play there. Nathan Ferguson's played, a, you know, at some time at, at left back in his short professional career as well. So I don't think, in a in a in a you know a life of of, of a limited budget, that would necessarily be a priority for for Palace. I don't, I don't know, but but I think they would be looking for bargains, and they wouldn't want to they wouldn't want to frustrate the pathway for for Mitchell. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have thought, yeah. and put somebody else ahead of him. It was interesting yesterday. I mean, we, we spoke when we spoke about Wambasaka and and the, the advice at Tomkins, in game advice at Tomkins, and and Andros would would deliver to him during matches just to remind him of his responsibilities, get his positioning right, and he, and he he accepted it all and and learnt from it and got you could just see this progression, this rapid progression at Palace, which earned him the move to United, but. With 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 Mitchell, it's a similar situation. I think he will benefit from having a Tompkins in the team, albeit he won't be his closest centre half at the moment. That's that's Kuyate, who's relatively inexperienced, I guess, in that in that role. But but yesterday, uh, James MacArthur was he, he sort of took himself separate from the the rest of the substitutes in the Palace team and put himself quite high up the stand, right on the edge of the red zone, the designated red zone in the main stand, um, and. Although he was separate and he was actually furthest away from the pitch, throughout that first half, he was on at, at Mitchell, just telling, encouraging him, telling him he'd done well, telling him he was in the right place. Go here, move there, watch this man, look at, watch, track your runner, and shouting it, bellowing it across all the other subs, all the other administrative staff who were down there, plus the coaching staff in the, in the, in the dugout. And just having somebody, an experienced player like that, in your ear all the time, and you would have heard it because it was silent in that ground will have a massive benefit on Tyrant Mitchell's career I'm sure because he, he looks like a type of player that is willing to take on advice and, and has made rapid progress already in his short time mm. as a Palace player Binton Morrison was definitely doing that over the other side as well. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Nair. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Well, that is, I mean, that is, we talk a lot about the age of this squad and how, you know, picking up injuries, getting too old, move players on. That is one of the benefits of having older, experienced players is they will do things like that and talk players through and you will get that side of it as well. So that's really good to hear. You know, I wonder if James MacArthur's got potential coaching material there as well. Doing his badges, isn't he? I think is he? he may have done quite a lot of them. Yeah, I think he's he's he spent time what, coaching the twenty ones. The scout badges are getting them all. Over, <laughs> isn't he? Um, all right, good stuff. Well, let's move on to another question. But um, yeah, I think we're all expecting Mitchell to keep his place in the team, and that would be fully warranted. Um, Rob 
Cormac Carpentry said, this one's for Jim Daly. Are, are you the voice Hello. on the pet flea advert itch? Sounds like you. <laughs> no. But again, I would happily do it. So if my agent's listening, please get me in that room. I'm sure the money is brilliant. For pet flea advert itch. Other pet flea available products are available, of course. Um, no, JD, that's, you've already lost yourself the job because that's the last thing you say <laughs> yeah. on advert. The flea powders say other flea powders are available. That makes a lot of sense, actually. That's yeah. yeah well, that's what any, any jobs. <laughs> exactly. Um, let's move on to a question from Jacqueline Ann Hart. Hi, Jacqueline. Hello, Jacqueline. She says, "Can you and your fine pod friends do? Hi, Jacqueline. Do a thank you, James. Can you and your fine pod friends do a section at some point that talks about the different players whose contracts are out this summer? I know it's no. a lot. I'd be interested to hear opinions on strategies, especially the window opening soon. Thanks. From the beach against the Jacqueline. She lives in San Diego, so she's just um, oh. winding <laughs> us up. If anything, you do it. That was just going to say she did that twice. I think so. Yeah, <laughs> just to rem- just to remind us." God. Uh, contracts, I guess, you know, I guess, Troy, this time of year, January's coming up. It's going to be on people's minds. We've got quite a few players out at the moment. Is that sort of thing that uh, players are talking about and thinking about or are they trying to have those conversations oh, now think, or later? I think any player in the last year, and obviously mine is also in his, his last six months now, they're always thinking about what is on the club's mind, um, you know, the, the closer it gets, obviously you can accept European offers at the moment. I don't think anyone's going to Europe for now, that's for sure. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it's something that you think because you want to secure your future. You know, like, as in any industry, as in any job, you want to secure your future. And remember that a footballer's future is, is as short as it can be, if you want to be totally honest. So, yeah, there'll be conversations going on with agents, with club reps, with, you know, some might already know that there is no future at the club for them. You know, because there may not be that offer of a contract or you're playing to make sure that you keep yourself in the mind of those that make those decisions so that, you know, come who knows, but by the time that safety or, or whatever it is that we're playing for is involved, that actually the conversations progress a little bit stronger. So I don't think there'll be a player not going into January knowing that there's only six months left and wondering, you know, we remember we're, in a, we're planning a new world as well, mm, aren't that's we? You know, trouble, yeah. Yeah, it's very, very difficult to to kind of gauge it. This will be the first, you know, last January, who, who gave a damn really almost, you know, because you know that, you know, you could go to any part of the world and go and apply your, your trade somewhere else. But it, it, it's a tough one this time around. It is a tough one. And anyone that is 30 plus must be wondering what the future does hold, because like you say, Palace have got to continue to to bring the new energy into the squad. That goes without saying. Whether that happens in January or whether that happens in the next transfer window, obviously Dom's the inside man for that. But it, it, it's something that you've got to keep thinking about. But you can't just dismiss the experience as well. This is why mm. I hear a lot about, oh, we've got a lot of ageing players. But you can't do that rotation as quick as what some want. And, and, and again, listen, without the masses of money to spend, where do you pick up those little nuggets that may be beneficial to you? We thought Nathan Ferguson was going to be that little nugget. We're not sure when he's going to play. So, you know, you've got to make sure that you do the right thing whilst keeping whilst keeping everybody happy as well. That's another thing to remember is keeping people happy and, and almost reassured, you know. And some will say at the moment with the way the results have gone, who gives a damn about reassuring them? Just make sure the three points are on the table. But we, we can't ignore that there's so many different aspects that go into that mindset and that thought process, particularly the, the closer you come to January. 
And obviously, the closer we get to January, as I started today, there'll be rumours about Wilf, won't there? So all of a sudden, AC Milan are, are interested in Wilf when we've never heard AC Milan's name mentioned ever before. But, you know, they've got an ageing um, centre forward who, you know, maybe we could do a swap deal there. I think <laughs> he'd still get 25 goals in this season, no matter how long's left to go. The trouble is, um, Troy, as you alluded to, COVID has taken away the bargaining chip for a lot of players that are out yeah. of contract. Because this time last year, yeah. the agent would say, well, we'll call the club's bluff. Now, yeah. you, you've got a lot of ageing players who are going to say, I'll tell you what, if the club offer me 10% less, I'll take it. Because there's going to be thousands of out of contract players well, up, and yeah. up and down the leagues come, you know, be, yeah. come the end of January. Be, and, and clubs are just not going to pick them up. Clubs are not going to make decisions at the moment in a time of uncertainty. So I, I think for the first time in a long time, clubs have got more bargaining power than players have for a, for a while. So I think there'll be a lot of players saying to their agent, let's just keep me here for another year, another two years. I'm, I'm fine. You know, let's, whereas before, you know, if Andros is one of those players, there's enough, enough clubs in the Premier League or in the championship that would happily take Andros. But at the moment, why would they take that risk in a time of no, real, no, real financial that, uncertainty? Yeah. And he's not the only one. You but know. never... But never underestimate the influence of those agents, by the no, way, no, no, who, yeah. are, who are keep going bam, bam, bam yeah, in yeah. people's ears or who are doing it in other clubs' ears. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because they've still got to earn their corn. They've still got to earn their, 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 their little percentage out of whatever deal they're going to make. So they're not going to stop doing what they're trying to do. But you're right. I think the, the, the clubs are in a, in a particularly stronger situation than what they would ever be mm. without a contracted plans mm. as well. Um, Dom, it would... Uh, benefit the club to get them wrapped up sooner rather than later though wouldn't it these these contracts we we spoke about this after the villa game on the podcast i i i find it quite remarkable that half a first team squad can be out of contract at the same time i think that that's at the same time yeah. i don't think that reflects well on anybody to be honest it it reflects i, I guess the sort of need uh, to to provide short-term solutions in some respects the the fact that palace haven't spent a lot of money on transfer fees but have spent an awful lot on and been willing to spend a lot on wages um because younger players cost more but but command less money in terms of salaries generally speaking um palace have gone the other way uh i i just I'd, i think it must be unsettling i mean again troy will be the choice to sit pretty much confirm that there must be a sense of anxiety in that dressing room amongst an awful lot of players about where their futures lie and I don't think that can be healthy either so so yeah the, I know the club has, has started speaking to some of them um, and will be selective as to who stays on that they're, they're conscious that they're they're having to trade in a in a COVID-19 pandemic environment where there will be a big hole in finances um, when it comes to buying new players next summer. So they're not going to be in a position to suddenly replace 12 players in their squad. I mean, that, that you're talking a massive, massive outlay uh, to do that. So I imagine that maybe five, six off the top of my head of those 12 might, might get extensions to some extent at, at Palace um, or might be offered something that they, they would consider and some of them will be attracted to and some others will, will, Will go elsewhere, but I just think it's a it's a it's a lot of work to be done on that in the next few months um, because we're not we're not we're not talking about fringe players necessarily. We, we, I mean, even even against Leicester, you had Ben Teke leading the line, um, and he's out of contract in six months. Andros playing on the right wing, out of contract in six months. Um, you, you know, in our first choice eleven, you'd argue that. 
Cahill will probably get in that out of contract in six months. Scott Dan is out of contract. We're not just talking about your Max Myers and your yeah, Wayne Hennessy's and Connor Wickham's who are not on the scene. With these are in, a key integral players within the setup. Patrick Van Arno, another one. It's Guaita. There's less concern, I think, within the club about Guaita. Um, but they're having, yeah, they're having. It's a difficult balancing act. I mean, how do senior players who are out of contract in six months' time? Uh, how would they react if fellow senior players who are out of contract? contract in six months time are offered new terms and given new terms and sign new terms does that yeah. does that also become mm. a bit of a problem within the dressing room i mean there's scope there's potential here for 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 problems um so it's something that the club will have to address sooner rather than later it's definitely a balancing act 100 percent. Mm. and as troy said in these covid 19 times as well that's another thing to add into the mix i suspect we might see a couple of Articles hopefully on the website soon about new contracts signed, but um, it's going to be very interesting to see what Palace do before the end of the season. And that's before we've even talked about the Wilf rumours. Um, and to be honest, we do have a question about it. I, as a rule, I normally save transfer rumours for January. I know that's two days away, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. And then we can fill our boots in January with Wilf rumours and what have you. Um, but let's wrap up part two there of our questions. Thank you to those guys. Only two questions this pod. Um, but thank you to everyone for sending them. Please do keep sending them in. Um, after the break, we're going to review, this will be fun, 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny Saddlebags. Slippery Pete. This town ain't big enough for the both of us. Ain't but one thing to do. Yep, start banking at community banks. Say what now? We'll grow this town bigger by doing business with community banks. That way our money will get reinvested locally and help small businesses grow and prosper. Son of a saddle spur. This town will be big enough for the both of us. Help your community grow. Find your community bank at banklocally.org. Welcome back to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Still in isolation. Still in isolation. And unfortunately, I suspect we will be for some time to come. Uh, but thanks to the beauty of Zoom, I'm looking at all your lovely faces and we're still here. And we're going to review 2020. Not much happened this year. Pretty straightforward 12 months. Let's move on to, to part five. Um, in in typical, hashtag typical FYP fashion, I'm going to ask you all for your hashtag typical palace moment from this year. Um, Enders, let's come to you first. Uh, quite, a few, Ooh, quite a few to choose there's from. There's been a lot of them. There's been a lot of them, hasn't there? Um, I think the one that really springs to mind is a very recent one, was the return to form of Christian Benteke and him sc- scoring goals and everybody getting very excited that finally got our playback and then he got sent off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I missed the next two games. That was if that wasn't tipping up Palace, I don't know what was. Yeah, very, very good. Great to see him scoring again as well. Um and who knows, may have you know yeah, played his way yeah, back into a new great. contract as well, because that could be very good timing. Who knows? Um who knows? Jack, what's your typical palace moment from twenty twenty? Yeah, I mean it's it's uh it's perhaps not typical, although I've just thought it might be with a with a slight addition additional point that I'll make in a moment, but my favourite palace moment of the year was uh, Christian Benteke and Jordan Ayew playing with the Watford players on strings at the end of our 1-0 in March in the corner, uh, where I think it's the longest I've ever seen a team keep a ball in a corner 
without conceding a throw-in goal kick or a foul. It was it was almost balletic. It was beautiful. And um, I guess in terms of it being a typical Palace moment is that's the last time that most Palace fans were actually at Selhurst. So such a beautiful moment being the last time that a lot of people actually saw Palace in 2020. Wow, that's that is. I'm I'm, I'm tearing up here. That's that, that's really beautiful. Um, <laughs> and hopefully, yeah. hopefully we'll be uh, be back soon. Who knows? Who knows when we'll, when we'll be back? Um, Troy, what's been your typical Palace moment oh, of 2020? So many to choose from. Um, I'm going to go for a little something a little bit more long winded, if you don't mind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the the four one victory against Leeds. Um, great performance for me. Um, although all the pundits were talking about Leeds United as they have done every time they get smashed. Yeah. Um, I thought we were brilliant on the day. Um, and the optimism that that victory straight afterwards would have brought or did bring, particularly on social media was amazing. The only problem is it's, it's right. They always say win before you go into the international break, don't they? But for me, it was win, and then you want to follow that up three days, five days later, and then put yeah. in another equally good performance. But we couldn't. And then we go to the international break. We come back. We find out that Wilson in isolation. We play Burnley and Newcastle. We already <laughs> guaranteed six points. We all said they were six points. And then we lose both games, and then we're back into the doldrums, and the impact of the Leeds win was absolutely null and void. Bam. <laughs> yeah. Very good answer. Very good answer and very typical, especially that uh, Newcastle game, my word. Kevin, I'll come to you last. We'll save the best to last. Let's go to Dom. What's your typical Palace moment? That. Do you know that? Dom, maybe you could play it to end the sax. I love the fact that the, the context of that was cut off between part one and two as well, so no one's going to get that. <laughs> That's so typical Palace. Typical FYP. <laughs> um, conventional typical Palace, uh, I'd, I'd go for the fact that Liverpool play Tottenham on the Wednesday and manage uh, 17 shots in that game. I think 11 were on target and scored twice. Uh, following, well, this weekend just gone, they had 17 shots against West Brom. <laughs> Only two of them on target scored once. Mm. And in between, they come to Celeste Park and they have eight shots on target and score seven of them. <laughs> <laughs> but then I, I just wanted to, slightly unconventional, if I could, typical Palace, just the sight of another young relatively homegrown because I know his, his background is at Brentford but a, a local fullback developing within our academy system and breaking into the first team in Tyrick Mitchell following in the sort of tradition of a Samson Shaw Gordon Wambasaka whatever you want but I just, just really encouraging to see uh, a youngster breaking into the side and doing so well. Yeah. Absolutely and a nice spin on the typical palace thank you nice positive spin on that. Yeah. I Kevin? I didn't know positive uh, typical palaces were an available option, basically. Uh, and even if they had been, I think Dominic's taken it. So, uh, two is two, uh, and they're both fullback related. One is that we've, as we've alluded to, uh, the rules regarding handball were changed because the Joel Ward penalty was so not a penalty that everyone decided that's the straw that broke the camel's back. After, of course, we conceded the penalty that cost us that game. But I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think Nathan, for me, it's not a moment. It's 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 buying uh, a fullback that COVID will be cured before Nathan Ferguson plays for Palace. 
<laughs> Essentially, God. we made such a fuss about buying one of the best young players in the country when he was broken, essentially. And there's, I don't know if you saw the repair shop on Boxing Day, which is a lovely emotional program. Until Roy Hodgson turns up cradling Nathan Ferguson and says, Can you fix this? Because we've spent an awful lot of money and it's very emotional attachment we have to this young player we've never seen. But apparently, he's really good. So, because we need him. Because we need another young fullback to not be picked by Roy Hodgson when times are tough. Um, <laughs> that would basically be my that would be my moment. He's not going to play both of them. Let's face it. So Ferguson already knows. Well, crack. He's picked one young fullback. I'm not getting in. Yeah. You know, uh, and a happy new year. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Dajak, pleased to meet you. <laughs> There you go. A range of typical Palace moments. Thank you. You guys massively delivered there. That was well, brilliant. also very typical. Can you can you explain the, the whole concept of uh, Dominic singing to no. Enders this evening? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I think that should be standalone. I Agreed. Really yeah, something, yeah. yeah, something's the best. Let oh, their right. imagination okay. run wild. <laughs> and while they do that... Might be a few odd questions for your next pod. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but by the time Dom's finished with Enders, I think Enders will be able to field those questions don't worry about <laughs> <that>. <laughs> right on that note uh, let's wrap up part four and we'll do a really quick preview of the Sheffield United game on Saturday in part uh. five when it comes to business and meeting travel in Orlando it's never business as usual sure I could go on for days about all the incredible places to hold your meeting or the innovative industries that will make you feel right at home. But Dr. Michael Edwards of Ocean Insights said it best. Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. And when work wraps up for the day, the evening is just getting started. I'd love to tell you about all the 46 Michelin-rated restaurants or the array of outstanding dishes that'll have you coming back again and again. But executive chef Guillaume Rabin of Lake Nona Wave Hotel can sum it up better than me. Orlando has a world of artisans, so you can try incredible cuisines from across the globe. It's so true, and there's so much more. So dive in and see what's happening in Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at orlandoforbusiness.com. Right, welcome back to the Friday Plan podcast. <laughs> part five, last pod of 2020. Uh, Sheffield United at home is our next game. Chris Chantry has said... Hi, Chris. Hi, Chris. If Sheffield United don't beat Burnley tomorrow, which is happening in about three hours as we record this podcast, um, is it already a given we'll be the first team to lose to them this season? <laughs> in unison, guys, if you could all just say the word together. One, two, three... No. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Who didn't get the memo there? <laughs> um, who did we go through? Kevin, what do, what do you reckon? Well, do you know, it's funny because you know I do a podcast with, with Kieran Maguire, who's a Brighton fan, who was absolutely convinced that Brighton would be the first team that Sheffield United beat uh, and nearly were. It, I find it really odd, and Dominic could explain this. It's, it's I, I don't think. I'm being controversial. Sheffield United are down. I mean, it would take... It's the third worst record ever 
across the whole league. I think Newport County and was one team. So nobody, there's only two other teams in the whole history of football that haven't won a game by this stage in any league. And yet the media, the written press, the pundits on that, as each week goes by, they say, no, Sheffield United will be fine. Chris Wilder's a good manager. <laughs> but the, the Casey, they might say, well, they probably overachieved a little bit last year. I, 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 do you know what? I don't think we will. Look. I mean, I know this is a terrible thing to say. They're, they're, they're bottom of the table with two points for a reason. And I know they haven't conceded many goals, but I've spoken to a few Sheffield United fans who are just baffled by the fact that they still have this reputation in the press. And it's like it's somehow, in the same way that you know, Burnley fans, you know, Sean Dyche apparently will always miraculously get Burnley out of trouble. And sometimes he does, but it's him that gets them into trouble in the first place and the lack that and the lack of investment in the squad. But I I just I think Hodgson's in trouble if we don't beat them, even if they mm. get a win against Burnley. I think if we can't beat Sheffield United at home in these circumstances, then I think there would be massive questions asked about Roy Hodgson. If, if we do beat them, we'll be on 22 points, which I think is a record for us at this stage of the season. And we'll all be going, you know, yeah, I know we lost 7-0, but then we lost 4-3-0, you know, but that's different Palace, blah, blah, blah. But I, I, you know, I think we have to be, surely we have to be going into these games going, well, we got a decent point against the team that would have gone second in the Premier League if, if they'd beaten us. So, we have to, surely we have to go back to that that Leeds team, that West Brom away team, that team in the second half of West Ham and and Tottenham. We, that's the attitude we have to take when we play Sheffield United. We know that we can score goals if we go on the front foot. Surely that's and that's what we'll do, so, isn't it? That's surely that's what Roy will do. Roy, Roy, that's what Roy will do. Obviously, of course he will. <laughs> he, won't, he won't. He won't put ten men behind him and get Sheffield United. He'll go for it. He'll go for it. He will. All we need, Kevin, is Ray Lewington to go apoplectic pre-kickoff. <laughs> or pre-kickoff, yeah. Pre-kickoff. Yeah. And, We've doubled uh, the number of St. John's Ambulance on site, just in case. So, <laughs> it's, uh, it's all good. What, so can I just say about Sheffield United? What What really impressed me last year with them was the the um, kind of belief and, and hardened nature of that team last year, where they, they grinded out points where they probably didn't deserve them. Um, this season, they are conceding late goals, they're conceding sloppy goals, and that kind of hardened edge that team that you know had the, the wonderful first season back in the Premier League is almost totally gone and their recruitment seems to have been poor their goalkeepers worse than they had last year there mm. is a reason why they're down in the bottom three but to only have two points after this many games is uh is not is far from great and you know it would have done them a world of good and a world of us it would have done us a world of good if they had managed to beat Brighton um and they were very close to hanging on but it's just those moments where they're letting points slip even though they you know probably earned a point at that, or earned the three points at the Amex but but didn't hold on they probably earned a point against Everton last week but again conceded late so I think they are there to be beaten and you know while we joke that you know we, we will lose to them because of our you know <laughs> pessimism when it comes to such situations I really think that is a game that we should win and if if we get our best 11 out um with an extra day's rest and Sheffield United would have had I do fully expect us to beat them but they had this time, you, you remember, Dominic, this time last year, like two months before and two months after Christmas, they had this sort of mystique about them yeah. that, that almost like Leicester had when they won the, the, the Premier League. And when Sheffield United came to Sellers Park, we treated them as though they were Barcelona. We showed them so much respect. And they beat us, not deservedly, but now that, that mystique is completely gone. You know, that, the, the whole genius of the overlapping centre-backs, yeah. etc. There's there's no mystery about them anymore. There's yeah. no mystique and there's no fear. And they should be a team that play into our hands because they're 
you know, they're, they're a team that play more old-fashioned football than a lot of teams in that division. And it, hopefully, uh, whoever plays at centre back should be able to deal with their centre backs. And they 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 struggle to to keep goals out. I think that, that I mean, it's a bonus for us that they've got this game against Burnley, which they they really have to target. They have to play their strongest team on yeah, Tuesday yeah. night, um, which and, and twenty-four hours extra. Preparation time is is a is a coup for Palace to have ahead of that game, so there is no excuse on that front. Um, I, I, I look, I feel a bit sorry for Sheffield United as much as last year it, within games. They, invariably, they won tight matches. They did at Selhurst Park in February uh, when when Vicente Guaita made a completely uncharacteristic error yeah, and, and yeah, cost yeah. us you know a point. Um, they were winning narrowly, one one goal margins. This year, it's going, it's gone completely the other way, and and those five margins have just tipped the other the other way. They've only really been stuffed twice at Southampton and at Chelsea, where they can lost four one and three nil. So I, I I don't think we should go into this match thinking we're going to completely steamroll them because that isn't how they're losing matches generally speaking. However, if you score the first goal against Sheffield United, they should just fall yeah. to pieces. They should just <laughs> yeah. confidence wise, will be they'll be all over the shop. And even if they replicate their amazing form from that period of last year, they'll still only get, I think it's 28, 29 points this season. Yeah. So they, they are, as you say, pretty much doomed already. I was just going to say that second, if ever that second season syndrome, I just had to slow down to make sure I could get the words out properly. <laughs> um, <laughs> Coming to forces, it's the, they are chalk and cheese as to what they were. And I think yeah. Jack identified the fact that the goalkeeping situation is the massive one. I think we always knew that it was going to be difficult if they weren't going to get Henderson back on loan. But I, I just don't think there's any confidence in the goalkeeper. I absolutely don't. Yeah. And I think the defenders around him who have been strong and knew that if they were, you know, impregnated at some stage during last season, that a goalkeeper that would pull out a worldie or was confident in, in their ability and his ability to make sure that they could hold out the 1-0 wins. Yeah, you don't want to go 1-0 down to a team like Sheffield United. But I think if we can approach this game with the kind of exuberance that we did against Everton, against Leeds, against, you know, the sec- like you know, Kev has said, then uh, there's goals in it for us. But you're right. I don't think we should be going, well, is this the time that we make up the, 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 the minus 10 goal difference or minus 9 <laughs> goal difference, um, which is, has gone into play. But definitely we should look at this and think, you know, if we, if we cannot win a game like Sheffield United at home, regardless of what they do against Burnley this season of all seasons. And despite the fact that if we do win, it's our record points total since December, it will highlight a number of problems that we we have continued to have. And hopefully yeah. we, don't, we don't have to be talking about that, particularly on New Year's Day. Particularly with the fixtures to come as well. When you can, yes. yeah. you know, the Arsenal and Man City, the next two matches in the league. Yeah, yeah. they're mid-table battles, aren't they? Against <laughs> 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 the teams around them. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, that is exactly the kind of positivity we need going into 2021. Uh, so, lads, we're going to wrap up the final pod of 2020. There, thank you so much to the five of you uh, for joining me. Really appreciate it. And the same goes to all our panelists this year, Chloe and Jesse, and all the other guys. That have been on we really appreciate it uh, and to you the listener for sending your questions in uh, for listening to the pod and supporting us we really really appreciate it and lads that's it we're signing oh, off God. 2020 thank Christ goodbye see you later bye 2020 yeah yeah exactly Dom 
Ten o'clock tonight. Yeah, yeah, ready. Yeah. Ten o'clock. No one. <laughs> I'm on it. I'm on it. <laughs> well, I'm leaving that in. I'm leaving that in. All right, see you later, guys. Right, right goodbye. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. Bye. When it comes to business travel in Orlando, it's never business as usual. Oh, sure, I could go on for days about all the incredible places to hold meetings or the Michelin dining or the innovative industries that'll make you feel right at home. But Dr. Michael Edwards of Ocean Insight said it best. Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. So dive in and see what's happening in Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at Orlando for Business. Sports Social Podcast Network.